Hey, yo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox postgame show presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Welcome into Studio B of the CHGO Studios here in our West Loop offices. I'm Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Herb Lawrence. Hello. Follow him on Twitter at EcknerWall23. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. We talked about if the White Sox could sweep today in the pregame. And they did not. Sox lose 9-3, to an ass-whooping of the Rays over the Sox. But as the thumbnail says, Herb, 2 out of 3 ain't bad. Is that true? That is correct. I mean, if you have 2 out of 3 of anything, I think you're uh, doing well for yourself. So, yeah, winning 2 out of 3 out of all these series, especially these tough teams. I've been saying the Tigers are coming 100%. They were, uh, you saw Torkelson hit after the White Sox left. Yeah. Win 2 out of 3 there. Of course, the Mariners, I picked them as my AL West champion, two out of three versus them. And every year, my AL East champion this year, the Rays, they're right there in the AL East hunt, two out of three versus them. Not ideal today, not ideal ideal way of ending it. I think we did this versus the Mariners too, where we have a chance to sweep and don't come through. But I can't, on the overall, I can't be too mad that they won this series, but, you know, Sometimes they give away games, and today, I don't know necessarily was given away, but not very enjoyable. I don't know if the guys were very into what was going on today. Kind of cold. Yeah, and the two games that they could possibly sweep, uh, four runs scored total, and I believe seven hits in those two games. So the White Sox, in those potential sweepers, uh, not able to pull it off, and that was something that we look back at last year, too, was just the inability to close out series strongly. I think they wanted to hand some of these teams some sweeps, because I think they got close a lot last year, Uh, but just difficult for them to really close it out, and the offense was pretty much... uh, I mean, uninspiring, I think, is probably the best word we can use today. Uh, we, I mean, they were getting perfect games until a walk, I think, in the third inning. And then mm-hmm. Jose Abreu finally came through in the fourth inning with a hit. But really, Gavin Sheets hitting a home run was the big, big mm-hmm. uh, headline for the White Sox offense today. But that came in the ninth inning when they were already down 9-2. to So, overall, a rough performance from the offense. Good to see my guy Yumper in the uh, comments. Saw him this weekend and forgot his name twice. I'm sorry, Yumper. <laughs> I will never forget it again. You're my guy. KPW's in the house, uh, along with Fred, who is always joining us. Yeah, yeah. it was an ugly, ugly game. Sometimes you're going to have those games. I'm not sure if that's one of Hawks' 60 losses you're going to have, no matter what. Yeah. It might be between the losses and the games that you might get because there was chances in this game to come back even after the rough start by Vince Velasquez, which we'll get to right now. And, yeah, I mean, the thing with Velasquez, too, and Kirk says, good job winning the series. Main takeaway is we need more production out of Grandal and Aloy from the 4-5 spot. You also need more production out of Robert in the second spot. You, uh, I think before he flew out, he was 3 of 25 heading back to that third game of the Detroit series, and he's hitting the ball hard about a 93 exit velocity averaging on 22 batted balls since that series uh, but they're just not falling for hits so you need more production out of Robert you need more production out of Grandal you need more production out of Jimenez and uh, it, it's just been a rough rough go at it for the Sox uh, earlier we asked like looking at the way that the White Sox have been attacking teams uh, low K rate low walk rate the, the K rate's coming up, the walk rate's still staying down for the Sox, and the more and more I see this, uh, the more and more I feel like this is unsustainable for the Sox. Uh, they had, I think right here, nine strikeouts today. Correct. And only two walks? Five walks. Five walks. Okay, so that was good to see. Uh, Abreu walked, Grandal walked, Jimenez walked, and Engel walked, and then also Sheets got hit by a pitch, too. So, I mean... Overall, I, I, I would TA walk too. So five walks on the day for Very the Sox. Uh, nine Ks to five strikeouts. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't still call them patient, though. I didn't see a more patient approach from the Sox. It, it really felt like the same approach, and it's not working uh, anymore, or at least it's just not sustainable. It was sustainable for the first couple series, but the White Sox definitely need to become a little bit more patient if they're ready to tag teams for, for runs here. And unlike the Mariners series, I didn't really see anybody who came in the game for the Rays today that I was like, no, that's going to be a tough guy out there on the bump. All the guys were hittable. J.P. Fireisen was the best of them who started the game. I think he went two uh, scoreless and struck out three. But that Mazza, he was ready to get hit. Mm-hmm. The White Sox didn't didn't accommodate him. And Mazza had five walks. Mazza had five walks. He couldn't find the strike zone at all. And the White Sox only get one run off of that 
uh, pitcher. They should have had a much bigger day against Maza. They should have had a much bigger day against Fire Eyes, and Fire Eyes was just in the zone consistently. Mm-hmm. His stuff wasn't that impressive. He was just locating it. Yeah, and sometimes you have a plan that doesn't co- go to form, and maybe you need to change. I was thinking when the White Sox were down 4 nothing, this game's not over. While Fire Eisen's looked tough in his first inning, he doesn't look unhittable. And when Mazza came in the game, I was like, let's eat. Where's the fork? The knife. We had thought that it was going to be Romero who was going to be paired to Fire Eisen, which would have been awesome for the White Sox because he is not no great chicks either. But versus this mediocre people who they put in the game today for the Tampa Bay race, the effort wasn't there. Some of the bats were very poor. They got the bases loaded twice. Twice, guys, and they only got two runs out of those opportunities. And it was a hit-by-pitch by Mazza, who was right all, wild all day, and a pass-ball-slash-wild pitch bet- between Mazza and um, their catcher, Mejia. So, right. really, the execution struggled right there when they had the bases loaded and only uh, one out. And then Timmy gets thrown at thrown out at home on a ball that barely gets past uh, the catcher, Mejia. So, some dumb base running, some... Uh, questionable things. Some people might not mind Timmy trying to go there. I kind of mind you have one of your RBI guys up in a low, even though he's struggling, you got to hold your water unless you commit a hundred percent, which he didn't. We, Steven Nicholas and I, the producer, Steven Nicholas saw him kind of hesitate when he saw the ball go away. That little hesitation cost them the run right there. So this is one of those games that I don't know if you just flush it, and just moved on to Cleveland because there's actual things in here that continue from a White Sox standpoint that we don't like. Yeah. No, no, that's the biggest thing that I, I mean, the pitching honestly was fine for the Sox today. Uh, Anderson Severino had probably the worst outing for all of the Sox today. Uh, even though Velasquez gave up four runs, uh, three of them earned, uh, Severino probably had the worst day yes. out of all of the Sox. But the biggest concern here for the the Rays, I mean, the Rays threw 80%. If you take out Maza, who the White Sox did have success again, he threw two and a third. The Sox had two hits, uh, two runs off of them. Five walks, one K. They had a, a lot of success against Maza. Maza couldn't find the, the strike zone. But you take out Maza, their pitchers, 16 of 20 on first pitch, stri- pitch strikes. They were getting into the uh, zone early. They were getting into uh, favorable counts early, and they were able to take it to the White Sox today. The White Sox, if they're going to be this aggressive, they need to be starting uh, aggressive from the get-go. We saw this in the first pitch. Fire Eisen throws one to TA, first pitch. T.A. takes it right down the middle. Now, T.A. in that at-bat hit a smoked ball out to left center field and uh, low for the Rays, goes up and picks it above the fence. It was a phenomenal robbery. It was better than the Adam Ingle one that yeah, we saw um, against the Mariners. This was a fantastic play. But outside of that, the Sox bats go cold until Sheets wakes up in the sixth inning. I mean, let's not— Or ninth blame, inning, I'm sorry. Let's not only blame the pitchers and the hitters. Let's blame some of the management, some of the coaching— uh, decisions that happen here. You know me. I'm a guy who says that managers don't matter that much, especially in games played. So when the game's on, the manager's job is mostly over. But today, I saw a glaring hole that happened with Tony. Now, I might be misinterpreting the rule. What I understand, you have to pitch to three batters or in the inning. Like, so if you come in for one batter, that guy gets out you can leave the game. They can take you out at that time. But if you do come back in the next inning, you have to still pitch to the full three batters. So if you faced and finished the bat, the mm-hmm. at bat with the runner, the hitter in the fifth, you still have to face two more batters in the sixth if you come back. Yes. So the uh, Aloy is at bat when Timmy gets thrown out. This is, I think his name is Jalen Beeks. Yes. He comes in the game. He, his at-bat doesn't count Aloy. So the one batter he faced was Grandal in the fifth. Then he comes back for the sixth, so he has to face two more batters. Aloy, who gets out. And then it's Gavin Sheets, lefty versus lefty. 4-2 game. Who, in the White Sox lineup, eats versus left-handed hitters in particular. Who oh, who, that? who's that? That's Andrew Vaughn, the guy who was from the start of last year to August 19th, the fifth best hitter in the major leagues, according to what Raid Runs Created Plus against left-handed hitters. And pitchers. so he just allows Gavin Sheets, who works the count to a 3-2 count. It was a decent at bat, but eventually he strikes out. He flailed on the last pitch. It would have been a perfect time right there to have Andrew Vaughn pinch hit on a team 
you know, four to two, the game's right there. It's hanging in the balance. Maybe he gets you a base run. Maybe he takes it out. One of the two. But you get some juice, some momentum going in. I just think that sometimes this is where the managers matter. Like, you got to know the rule. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, I don't feel like, had, I mean, uh, uh, Andrew Vaughn should be out of the game in the, you know, the starting lineup. But if he isn't, God damn it, put him <laughs> in the game when it's a favorable matchup for him. If we're doing this platoon thing, platoon him. Right. Make him face the guy. And if that guy just walks at uh, Andrew Vaughn, cool. But if and we- if Andrew Vaughn gets out, cool. But I know that you tried. You at least tried to win the game there, not just putting guys in or keeping guys in because they started the game. It was a bad matchup versus Gavin Sheets. That right there, Tony should have taken it out. Hurt, but then, I mean, it wouldn't be a 9-3 ball game in the ninth if Gavin Sheets doesn't hit his home run. So, I mean, you know, you know, the run differential gets uh, cut down because Tony left it in. I mean, that's just I mean, that's four-dimensional also, managing right He there. also left Anderson Severino, Sean Anderson for Severino. You're not going to lose that name. Yeah. You're getting tagged with Anderson that's Severino, fine. even if he's shitty like he was today. <laughs> Whew, friends. It's still my, it's I, still my last name. So I can I, it's, see it's why good. that man wasn't called up before this. Yeah. He's got stuff. But he don't know where that shit's going. Well, I saw someone just uh, use a Ricky Vaughn. Is it Ricky Vaughn, right? Rick from uh, Major yeah. League? Yeah, uh, Ricky Vaughn uh, gif. So, I mean, I mean, it was it's very similar. Right? Anderson Severino throws hard. He just cannot locate on a couple pass balls. Uh, got by a grand doll. And you do have the rule correctly. Uh, the rule states that the pitchers must face a minimum of three batters in appearance or pitch to the end of the half inning with exceptions for injury or illness. If a pitcher faces one batter to end the inning, he may be removed. But if he is brought back for a second inning, he still must face two more batters for a total of three so that would have been the third batter that Jalen Beeks had to face he would have had to face Vaughn no matter what uh, I will get to Velasquez in a second here um I see that people are talking about Zach Collins too guys it's, it, of course it's, it's KPW it's, it's man, five KPW games just well no it in no our I face. mean KP is just updating us I'm not I'm, I don't think he's rubbing face. this in their face uh, how great the damn Blue Jays are and Zach Collins is gonna be an all-star now no he's uh, not I don't know about that but he, he was hitting home runs and hitting doubles Blue Jays fans probably love him. Probably. Uh, I, we don't. Uh, I'm fine with Reese McGuire. Uh, I got no issue with him. Me either. And, uh, Grandall was it was fine behind the plate today. Uh, nothing bad. Uh, but I Re- mean, Reese no, McGuire, the more we see him. He missed the ball that was thrown pretty much right to him. I want to catch you and catch. Like, you don't have to be 100%. Which but one? There was a ball. I don't, I don't know if it was thrown by Anderson Severino or not, but it was a ball that was pretty much thrown right to his glove. They might have called it a wild pitch, but mm. it was more of a – a pass ball on his part. Uh, there was a pass ball given to Grandall, so yes. uh, that probably was in the eighth inning there. So, and we'll get to Velasquez now because Vince Velasquez did end up pitching for the Sox. Four and two thirds, five hits, four runs, three earned, three walks, and five Ks. Let's go to uh, the the graphic here. Uh, and there was a wild pitch by uh, Severino, right but then to, when Rosarino was up, uh, there was a pass ball. Let's get to Velasquez again. Uh, four and two thirds, five hits, uh, four earned runs, three earned. Uh, three walks, five Ks. You got uh, Jaxo saying Velasquez was awful. I disagree. I honestly thought he was fine. They didn't lose because of Vince Velasquez. They lost because they only scored three runs. I mean, the, the big issue here today is the fact that they were not hitting. Uh, that's the biggest takeaway that I'll take away from the Sox. But Velasquez in the first inning, really unlucky, not great, not bad. He threw 20 strikes. He also threw 15 balls. He allowed a max exit velocity of 80.9. It was not any, there were not any hard hit balls in that inning. Uh, six swing and misses, which is nice to see, but four runs allowed. He walked three, a couple with the bases loaded, and he had an error where he could have easily gotten out of the inning. There was one out. It was a bouncer right back to him. He could have threw to home. Grandal could have threw out to out, uh, threw to first base. Double play gets out of the inning, I think, with one, one run only scoring. Yeah, I mean, it was his error, so... I it doesn't count on his ledger. Uh, they only gave him three earned runs in that inning. I always thought that if a pitcher makes the error, right. it should be part of his earned run average. But yeah, he wasn't getting hit hard. I think he got miffed by the high changeup or curveball he threw to Wander Franco, who just went up and served that ball to left center field. And then you get the almost broken bat single from Manuel Margot, the next at batter, and that probably, Rosarina. Rosarina, sorry, and then it threw him off. And you see what happened next. He was walking people. He wasn't the same guy. Yeah, he there was some soft hit contact, and he caused his own problem right there. He could have got out with only one run. Just catch the ball, which he did, and throw it home. We got a one-two-three double play. We're out of the inning. 
Yes, I don't think that he is the necessary reason why the White Sox lost, but his performance in the first inning can't be happening. It, it can't happen. The walks are the biggest thing. Uh, he walks G-Man Choi, too, which loads the bases. He got him into a favorable count. He got him into a true strike count. And then the pitch that he made wasn't even close. It wasn't even uh, competitive. He threw it right in the dirt. G-Man gets a, a, a free base. And then the next one, I believe, was the one that bounces right back to him. And he wasn't able to field it from uh, Diaz. Actually, he walked Diaz on four straight pitches. And then uh, Josh Lowe hits the fielder's choice that he, he miffs and, and completes the error. And it feels like... He takes way too much time. Mm -hmm. I don't know how major league batters feel when a pitcher's taking all that time, but I think it's advantage batter. Mm -hmm. If you're just holding the ball, that batter knows like, okay, he's nervous about throwing one of his pitches. He doesn't want me to get this. And if you've seen the flow of the game so far, you're like, okay, he can't get over X, Y, Z pitch. He's going to be featuring me this fastball or this side slider or this sinker. Get the ball and throw it. The more you think, study long, study wrong. Mark Burley was good mm-hmm. because he got the ball and threw it, didn't give the batter a chance to think of what he's going to be featuring, and you get a rhythm to yourself. You get a get a nice uh, thing of momentum on your side. Get the ball, throw it. You have filth. You have 90, what, 95, 97? Yeah, some, no, basketball. 95 he tops out at. And then he's, it's, that's the only problem. He doesn't have enough separation between his fastball and his changeup, his changeup's like ninety. Yeah, he so, gets a nice tail on his changeup, but you're right. I mean, he doesn't he doesn't get enough differential. I mean, you talk about Lucas. Lucas throws around like ninety five, but he gets a changeup that's around eighty three, and that's one of the best fastball changeups in the game. But you need more of a differential than four miles per hour. And also another thing too, he's just not locating his his breaking balls uh, as accurately as he should. I mean, like, there's a couple somewhere. couple nice ones where he had some sliders down and in, especially the first batter. He looked great against Brandon uh, Lau, uh, but other than that, it was it was you know a little rough but he's he's limiting hard contact which you know is fine and, and he's still striking out some guys uh, I like his arm swing his arm path it, it has gotten shorter uh, but he does need to be more consistent about throwing strikes that's the biggest thing that needs uh, that, that can help Vince Velasquez uh, in these starts before we go out to Vinny because he is joining us from guaranteed rate field I want to mention the best way to support CHGO is to download the points bet app and use code CHGO when you sign up if you do that right now you get two risk-free bets up to two thousand dollars that's not it if you make a fifty dollar or more first time deposit you'll receive a free CHGO membership which unlocks all of our web content and you'll even get a free t-shirt of your choice from the CHGO CHGO Locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free t-shirt from the CHGO Locker, all for making more than a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet. If you have any questions, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we will help you out. PointsBet is your home for live in-play betting, and it just got even better. Introducing PointsBet's newest feature, the live NBA same-game parlay. For the first time ever, you can build the perfect live NBA same-game parlay only with points bet. Combine your favorite bets anytime during the game. If you're watching the Bulls and Bucks tonight, make sure you take advantage of the live NBA same game parlay, the newest feature of points bet. And if you want more, you can boost your live same game parlays with points bet. So watch live, parlay live, and boost live with points bet. And online signup is available in Illinois. You could download the points bet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with points bet. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. Hi, Vinny. Hey, guys. What's up? Nothing much. How you doing? What's the shirt today? Uh, rocking the who today. Okay. Looked, looked who-ish. I just wanted to yeah. make, uh, make confirmation on that. Uh, who'd you talk to? It was probably a quick little wrap-up here as the team's going to Cleveland. Yeah, decently so. Obviously, I heard from Tony LaRusa, but got to talk to Vince Velasquez as well as Gavin Sheets, uh, covering kind of everything that uh, didn't go right in today's game. But, uh, you know, maybe not as grim as it seems, uh, you know, from the outcome. Uh, you know, Vince Velasquez and, and Tony LaRusa both were pretty happy with what happened after the first inning, right? I mean, to, to get that kind of length out of Velasquez with how nightmarish that first inning was uh is about as much as you could have asked for really once once it was already for nothing and I mean the White Sox had chances the White Sox had offensive chances I mean in this lineup as good as it is should be able to erase a four-run deficit so um you know Vince Velasquez is going to be uh, an interesting uh, guy to follow here as they go along not just in April but uh, throughout the season and in, in, in as long as they're going to need him I think they're pretty happy with what he's doing in general um, obviously the results, this, it's only the second start of the season for him. So they're going to need to pile up a little bit and, and, and be consistently like they were today in order for people to, for, in order for him to get pushed out of the mix. Uh, cause right now they're, they're, they're pretty happy with, with what he's doing from a, uh, process standpoint. Did Vince speak about what happened in that first inning that got him so off to a bad start? 
Yeah, I mean, walks. Walks are bad. You know what I mean? Like, I think every every pitcher who, who issues some is going to tell you that, boy, I shouldn't have done that. Uh, <laughs> and, and he's a guy that, you know, uh, if you remember back to that first inning when the balls were finding holes, they, they were doing it, you know, not because they were hit with a 110-mile exit velo or anything like that. So um, I, I think, obviously, there were some fielding issues from him specifically. Uh, so, yeah, but he was pointing to the fact that in years past, it might have snowballed even worse. It, it might have gotten to the point where it was 6 nothing, 7 nothing, uh, and that it was 4 nothing, and that the, that the offense had striking distance, that they that they had work that they could have done to, to turn this game around uh, was something that he was happy about doing, being able to shut out the, the Rays the rest of his outing after that first inning. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit more on Vince. If he like, is there certain changes he mentioned on how you know he was able to get back on track? Because I mean, this wasn't the same pitcher that we saw in the first inning. His second, third, fourth, and fifth innings were very good. Um, and even then, you know, in the first inning, he was fairly good. Just just the walks that killed him. Uh, did he talk about anything like was it a mindset or anything that the Sox have helped him kind of get over that? You know helping a, a, a inning snowball, like you were saying, where it might turn into seven, nothing instead of four, nothing. Well, the word he kept using was maturity and, and, mm-hmm. and maybe, you know, maybe it's possible. Granted, I haven't watched every Vince Velasquez start over the last however many right. years, but you know, you look at the results and the, the, the numbers from the last few years, they obviously weren't good. Maybe this is something that has clicked for him more recently. I mean, we've heard basically the same thing from Lucas Giolito and, and Dylan Cease when it comes to them, preventing a game from getting out of hand when they give up a run or a few runs to not make it a deluge uh that is something that has come with experience that is something something that has come with them learning at the big league level and maybe vince velasquez um he's certainly pointing to the same thing today maybe that is something that's come along a little bit more recently but i I think another thing too is competitive drive And, and i know that's kind of weird to hear, you know, in a, in a game where he gives up four runs and he, and he lost, and, you know, the, the team lost and all that. Tony La Russa, both before and after the game, pointed to, to Velasquez as a competitor, uh, you know, as, as somebody who, you know, really wants to go out there and win every time. And we heard that a little bit from Vince in the post game when he was just saying, you know, I wanted to be able to go out there and do that for my team. He said he told Tony La Russa in the second or third inning, I got this. This is my game. Don't take me out. I, I want to be the guy who can make up for what just happened in the first inning to keep the team in a, in a position to, to come back and win. And, I mean, guys, he did that. Uh, you know what I mean? Obviously, you'd rather not be down four runs. But uh, if you're looking on the bright side with this offense to be able to stop it from getting from four run, going from four runs to six or seven, and then you have this offense, you know, that did have its chances, uh, he did what he wanted to do at least after the first inning was over. I don't know how much uh, Tony spoke about the Jalen Beeks from the Tampa Bay Rays uh, being in the game, but we pointed out that at the time of the at-bat with Jalen Beeks and Gavin Sheets, Jalen still had to pitch to Gavin Sheets, a lefty-lefty matchup. Was there any discussion there of maybe going to Andrew Vaughn to face that lefty who still had to be in the game? There was not discussion of that, no. Yeah. Uh, I know, uh, I know uh, Herb, you're watching uh, Andrew Vaughn opportunities like a hawk uh, over Damn there from the, from the West Loop Studios. So uh, <laughs> I, 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 I am not surprised by the question coming from you and, and plenty of others. But uh, no, I mean, listen, I think the team has plenty of faith in, in the guys that it throws out there every day. And, and if, if, and, if both Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets are going to get those splits to even out a little bit, they're going to have to get some opportunities. That's what Gavin told me in spring training was, you know, they don't expect themselves to be only able to hit one hand a pitcher. Uh, but the only way that they're going to improve is if they get the opportunities to do so. And so, you know, a, a day like today uh, is a perfect time to give Gavin Sheets a full game's worth of at-bats and make sure that he can, uh, you know, deliver in, in those kind of moments. And, you know, he hit a home run in the ninth inning, is, as meaningless perhaps as it ended up being. But uh, to just do anything against this Rays team, it seemed very challenging. Uh, that's what Sheets was telling us after the game, the way that they throw reliever after reliever at you on a day like today or, you know, any day when they do have a starter on there. This team knows what it's doing from, from finding pitchers that can get guys out standpoint. Uh, and, and it is a challenge for any lineup, even one as good as the White Sox, to do that as we saw with their limited uh, production over the weekend in a series they still managed to win. Right, and you mentioned you talked to Gavin Sheets. He hits the home run in the ninth inning. Uh, did he talk about finally breaking through at all uh, with, with his first hit there? That's a big one, uh, even though you know it doesn't make the score that much closer. 
Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of more team-focused stuff from Gavin. Obviously, we you know we just saw a weekend where the offense did not do a lot from a run-scoring standpoint, uh, and I think that you know he was kind of uh, doing the same thing everybody else is, where you're coming off a tough loss, you're coming off a tough weekend uh, in terms of the bats, and then you look up and and the White Sox won two of these three games. So uh, I, I think he was you know talking about how this is the kind of team that they're going to see in October and to have the success they did in the one stat category that counts, right? The win column uh, is definitely a positive for this team, even though as we keep hearing from everybody, you know, to look ahead to the playoffs, it's going to be a totally different group on both sides, uh, no matter what team you're playing uh, right now. So uh, whether it be the White Sox today, the Rays today, these teams are going to be, be in a much different place come October. But I think that that's probably maybe the takeaway from these first three series is that these were three good teams. And these are three good teams that, that you could really see either in the case of the Tigers, giving the White Sox a run for their money all throughout the season, or in the case of the Mariners and the Rays, teams that they might meet in the playoffs. Uh, and to have, you know, three series wins against those three teams, uh, especially facing the injuries that the White Sox are facing, it is a positive thing, uh, you know, not to not to try and uh, flip around how bad things look today, but it's one game of 162. So, On a positive note, you spoke with Tony La Russa before the game. He had some positive news on a guy who we'll be depending on in the playoffs, on Joe Kelly. What do you say about him? The update on Joe Kelly is that uh, Kelly's throwing, you know, without really any discomfort out in Arizona. They've gotten him to the point where, where you know, his, he's – got increased stamina he's going a little longer uh in his bullpens he's able to uh hit those those numbers that he wants to hit on the radar gun without feeling anything uh from a negative standpoint physically so you know i i i think that he's still maybe a little a little behind where people might hope obviously you know there haven't been any setbacks he's probably right on the track the white Sox thought he would be at but you know it sounds like he's just now getting to face hitters for the first time uh he's probably going to need a trip to charlotte uh it sounds like that was what rick Hahn told us last week in detroit um but tony says he's not sure because sometimes with these veterans they they're experienced enough that they don't need it so um we're going to see what what whether that happens or not but uh rick Hahn told us last week that kelly could be out on a rehab assignment uh before the end before the month's out so that uh, that's a positive development. And the thing that I find so funny, whenever you – when I, I talked to both Liam Hendricks and Aaron Bummer the last couple of days and brought up the idea of, oh, what's it going to be like when, when Joe Kelly joins this bullpen? And their reaction immediately was to laugh. And so I think that, you know, <laughs> I think that it's a combination. Aaron Bummer said it was kind of a combination, not just of like, oh, man, you can't help but laugh at, at how, you know, the number of quality arms that are going to be in the bullpen. But, you know, Joe Kelly might be a guy that, that fits in on this team from a first personality standpoint too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just uh, the way I just the fact that he you know, when he go, went up against the Astros had that moment where he strikes out Correa and then, you know, walks off the mound like that. I mean, that's that seems like perfect for the White Sox, perfect for when Lance Lynn comes back to or, or Liam Hendricks. Uh, no, he's going to fit perfect into that bullpen. Uh, could we do a little more house cleaning, too, on some injuries? I know uh, A.J. Pollock and Yohan Moncada were mentioned this weekend. Do we have updates on where they're currently at? AJ Pollock um, is, you know, enjoying the the birth of him and his wife's yes, child. So that, that all went went good for them. So congratulations. Uh, yeah, I think uh, the, I think it'll probably be very similar to what AJ told us it was going to be in Detroit, which is a mild thing that might only take a few days. Uh, you know, I think Rick Hahn said uh, at the beginning of the homestand that it was going to be a thing where it was like, okay, maybe maybe not exactly 10 days, but 11 or 12 maybe is the max that it would be. So it does sound in line like that from Pollock and, and uh, what he, what he told us. And, you know, like, like we discussed last week, he would know, right. He, he had a couple of hamstring pulls last year, so he would know here and, and, and the precautions seem good on the Moncada front. Uh, sounds like it might be a while still. Uh, he's still feeling discomfort when he moves defensively and the White Sox, or Tony LaRusso said, they're not even going to think about establishing a timeline until that is completely gone. They need him to be able to go, completely full which is which is in line too with what rick rick said around opening day which was uh they want it completely cleaned up so it doesn't linger throughout the season so it doesn't pop up again uh, and if that means that right now they got to play it a little slow then that's what it means but he's he's out there working we see him working every day but apparently the feelings aren't gone uh when he makes certain movements uh out there in the field anderson severino had a sean anderson severino had a Thank tough you outing today uh but i what i saw too is that tony just left them out there to get the last couple outs in that inning was there anything said about just him battling through his wildness and finding a way to get the outs that he needed for the race against the race 
I Anderson Severino did not come up post game. I would imagine that that was what we would call mop up duty. Uh, and I guess there's yes. a little bit of, uh, you know, self-inflicted mop up duty in that specific uh, case. But uh, listen, I mean, as much as, as, as happy as the White Sox were that Vince Velasquez went four and two thirds innings, Vince Velasquez only went four and two thirds innings. And we're still in this early part of the season where the bullpen is, is being so heavily relied upon. And so a guy like Anderson Severino has to stay out there and finish that inning. And I mean, that, that's what has to happen because you can't, you can't use six guys every day. Uh, you're you're, you're going to run out of pitchers. You're going to paint yourself into a corner and there's going to be games that are much closer when you need to get outs to get to Liam Hendricks or, or to keep it tied or stay within a run or something like that when you're not going to be able to use some of these guys because you've had to pitch them the day before. So um, I was not surprised to see him stay out there. Uh, he didn't look very good at all. That's for sure. I'm sure he would agree with you. Uh, he was throwing the ball all over the place, but um, you know, that that's, that's what happens sometimes. And uh, you know, uh, I see folks on folks on Twitter are always, you know, wanting to win every, win every game, win every at bat, but this is baseball. And sometimes this is what's got to happen. And uh, as, as, as uh, ugly as it might look sometimes. Final question I have for you. I'm not sure if Herb's got any more, but uh, did Tony talk today about the plate approach of this team so far through the first nine games? Uh, A lot of, you know, I mean, this was a five-walk day for them, which is, you know, uh, an aberration. Uh, But, you know, uh, nine strikeouts again. It feels like the Ks are ticking up. The walks, even though today it was more Maza having bad control, feels like the walks really aren't there. Is he talking about how aggressive they are? It feels like a lot of free swinging out there. Maybe not free swinging, but a lot of swinging, a lot of aggressive uh, uh, cuts being taken by the White Sox. Is he talking about uh, possibly the uh, the approach that the Sox have through the first nine games? Well, I think we've seen this over the last few years is that, and again, it's usually on a player-by-player basis, but I mean, being aggressive is is what a lot of these guys are trying to do. I mean, they've, they've found great success in playing this way, be it Tim Anderson or Johan Moncada kind of making uh, specific changes to be more aggressive, or if it's, you know, someone like Luis Robert, who, who has, you know, shown that throughout the, his time in the major leagues, that being aggressive can work for him. Um, I, I think there are guys on the team who have success the other way. Obviously, Yasmani Grandal uh, is a great example of that. Yohan Moncada, to mention him again, has shown the ability to do that as well. And, and we've seen it from Jose Abreu, from, from others uh, up and down the lineup. So uh, I, I don't think it's you know necessarily a bad thing that, that they're aggressive. It's just this is kind of what happens in the early going uh, of a season sometimes, you know, they always say the bats heat up when the weather heats up, uh, and and I think the approach maybe stays the same all the way through. But you can get some, but you can get some better success and better results once the weather turns for you right there. Gavin Sheets was talking. I thought I thought this was interesting. Is that you got a guy in in Maza who you brought up there who was all over the place. He had you know wasn't being able to really find the zone at all. He had thrown eight straight balls when Gavin Sheets came up to the plate, and so Gavin's like, well, obviously I'm going to take you know uh, on the first pitch. And then it's a strike, and he's in an 0-1 hole. You know what I mean? Right. So it's 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 that mental game of and, and, and these guys can almost kind of uh, fool themselves a little bit, as Gavin was talking about. You know, in getting away from what you want to do. Maybe he wanted to be aggressive in that situation, but he couldn't because he knew what the situation was with with what the pitcher had been doing. And then it turns out that being aggressive might have worked off uh, worked out a little better. So um, it's. It's something that's season long, and, and I, I really think that you, you shouldn't. Obviously, strikeouts are, are not what you want, but right. you, you you can take the strikeouts if the aggression is paying off a, a reasonable amount of the time. And I think guys who have been aggressive and have made a career out of being aggressive, obviously Tim Anderson comes to mind. Uh, you know, you can point to that as a, as a very positive example of that. Yeah, I don't mind the aggression because so far, I mean, heading into this game, the White Sox had the hardest hit percentage. So when they were making contact with the ball, they were hitting the hell out of it. But it is interesting just seeing uh, that, the, you know, they really aren't, they're avoiding the, the three outcomes. They're avoiding Ks. They're avoiding walks outside of Maza throwing five today. Um, and even in a ways, I mean, they felt like they've been avoiding the home run. Uh, so it's just been interesting to see them approach and attack uh, at the plate. But uh, Herb, you got any more for uh, Vinny? Yes. Emotional rescue. What year? <laughs> I believe that's 1980. Boom! Damn. <laughs> Boom. Well, that's a good tra- uh, transition because you'll be in studio with us for the next four games as the Sox go out to Cleveland, and we have a little icebreaker that we usually do for our pregames, and that's going to be us putting together our top three albums. So me, you, Herb, are uh, going to be putting together our top three albums on the pregame uh, this week for uh, Cleveland 
and the White Sox. Should we make any rules for this? Should we make any rules where uh, Vinny can't put like three Rolling Stones albums in his if top three? If it's just three top ones, whatever it is, go ahead. Explain your explain your picks. You got any rules, Vinny? You want us to, to any guidelines you want us to throw out, or is it just uh, have fun on this icebreaker? Absolutely, obviously have fun. I mean, this is something that perhaps I've thought about a little too much, so I'm going to come at this. <laughs> I, I mean, I could basically do it for you right now, but I think the idea too is that uh, this is a four game series in Cleveland. We're going to be doing a top four or a top three. I thought we were doing a top three, and then we were going to figure something out for the fourth game. I'm fine doing a top four. You want to do a top four? I'm I'm fine with it. All right, we'll do a top four. All right, so we'll be doing a top I four this week. I have two in my head. So right, there you go. And I think now Vinny's got to think of an, another one. So he'll have a long he's Sunday. He's already got it. Vinny's already <laughs> got his top fifty albums all the time. He's got it. All right. Well, <laughs> excited to talk to you uh, you about that on Monday. Uh, pre-game tomorrow starts at four thirty. Yeah, four thirty. Early game. So we'll see you tomorrow, Vinny. Go get some rest. Appreciate your work. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. Uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow, Vinny. All right, guys. See ya. Later. See ya. Go read Vinny's work at allchgo.com. And why not tell you to become a member at allchgo.com? If you become a member at allchgo.com, you'll get access to Vinny's great writing. You'll get access to all of our great writers here on Staff's Writing. Uh, we got uh, Adam Hogue of the Bears uh, beat. We got Greg, Jay, and Mario of the Blackhawks beat. We got Matt Peck, who writes for the Bulls. We got Big Dave, who writes for the Bulls. Will Gottlieb's their beat writer. Uh, you got Ryan. MK sometimes. You got MK of the from Bulls. Australia. You got Ryan Herrera of the Cubs. A lot of great writers over at allchgo.com. That's one of them, Vinny Duber. And we want you to become a member at allchgo.com. Our members get access to that premium written content. When you become a member, you get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO Locker. If you like this little brawler sock back here or down there, you could get them on a t-shirt. They look crisp, clean, and nice. And the final thing, not only do you get access to that premium written content, not only do you get a shirt when you sign up, you also get access into the CHGO Lounge. That is a members-only Discord. If you want to send us any questions, Feel free to send us questions. Uh, we'll take some on uh, tomorrow's episode. But if you are a member of the Discord, jump in that Discord. Send us some questions if you have any White Sox-related questions. We appreciate the support. And if you want to read Vinny's writing, head over to allchgo.com. And if you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us to continue to grow is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. If you have any questions, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we will help you out. And in case you missed it, online sign-up is available in Illinois. You can download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone you'll be signing up with the fastest sports book easier than ever so you could start living your bet life in seconds so what are you waiting for once the game starts don't just bet live your bet life points bet gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 okay there's a couple more questions i want to uh throw out that are in the chat here before we get to you know the white Sox winning two or three against the rays and before we preview that cleveland series online stripping ones the online stripping ones, uh, online Without strips about clothing. clothing. Yes, so uh, shout out to I mean, Naked HDXYZ I mean, for that one. that's what stripping is. Well, yeah, no clothes. No clothes. Yeah, I think that's the I'm, point. I'm not going to your damn, damn website now <laughs> that you, you're redundant. One I want to bring up, uh, it's a little bit above. It's from Tom Jankowski, and it was, uh, how do they fix Luis Robert, move him down in the order? Question. You stop picking him. For uh, pick to click, so I, that was one of the, your ways to fix Luis Robert. I fucked him. I, I kept on picking him. You fucked and, him. And he, I mean, not, hey, hey, yo, what? I know we're doing the naked <laughs> thing. Yeah, I, I fucked him on the batting. Sorry, I shouldn't be swearing either. Guys. Um, you to allow Luis Robert to be Luis Robert. Just hey, go ahead and do your thing, man. The numbers will work out eventually. There's nothing that's wrong with him necessarily. He's still aggressive in the zone, still aggressive a little bit out the zone. He's just running into some balls that are just a little tough for him. I think he'll be fine. Probably cold, too. Hell, it was cold the other day when I went to the game, and today it looked frozen. Yeah. White Sox had as many errors as they had hits. So it's not just Luis Roberts having troubles right now. It's the pretty much the whole lineup. Yeah, and... Like uh, there was a tweet uh, tweeted out by Scott Merkin after his first at bat, which said Robert was in a three for twenty five slump. I think that might be up to three for twenty seven. But I looked into the data and see if he was actually slumping or not. Uh, he's averaging on that three for twenty five run a average exit velocity, and this is on twenty two batted balls 
of 90 point or 92.3. A hard hit ball is 95. So he's, 92. he's basically hitting Probably hard 92. outs left and right. Uh, he had outs of 105, 111, 110, 111, 101, 101, 98, 96, 99, 92, uh, 95. I mean, he's hitting the, the ball hard still. He's just an extremely aggressive player that will work at times and it will go against him at times. Right now he's in one of those streaks, but you didn't notice he was in one of those streaks because in that streak, he still had a home run. He still leads the MLB in stolen bases. Uh, he's still a very, very effective player. It's just not clicking or working right now, but he is still hitting the ball hard and he is still getting nice uh, results off the bat. Oh, for 16 over his last four games, only two Oof. strikeouts though, to your point. Yeah. So yeah. He's hitting the ball. Right, so that's the thing. I would rather see him hitting the ball and just having bad luck. There's a stat, BABIP, which is batting average on balls in play. Uh, usually that is under 400. That's usually under 350. Roberts right now, uh, or at least, you know, yeah, Roberts right now is probably under 200. So, I mean, it, it, it's going... bad luck. It, it, yeah, he's running into some bad luck, a lot of hard hit balls. And maybe I need to look into this a little bit more. Maybe he is... Maybe there's a certain spot or zone they keep pitching to, and that's where he's getting out. So maybe it needs to be a little bit of adjustment there. But right now, uh, he is hitting the ball hard still. So I don't have a lot of worries about Luis Robert. Uh, I, I do think that it's fine. Uh, there was also a question about the umpire. He was okay. He wasn't great. He wasn't bad. It's an umpire. Um I mean, we, we have so much modern technology that makes him look stupid, but in the grand scheme of things, I don't think the ump was bad today. Overall, they're still going to lose 9-3 to three if this ump was different, you know? I mean, it wasn't... That's not what lost them the game. Not at all. I mean, he missed a couple pitches right in the zone, but like you said, it wasn't a thing of the umpire cost the White Sox in a momentum game right there. So, yeah, I don't too tough look at the umpire, even though at that time when they missed the, the pitch that was right over the plate, I was like, you gotta stay with us, Blue. Come on now. Yeah, there was the one, I think it was a hanging curveball uh, that Grandal absolutely uh, had a strike. A strike. I, I thought he, he didn't botch it, but he, he started uh, yapping at Vanover yeah. after it. So, I mean, there was a couple, probably like maybe six missed call strikes, which overall is fine. And yeah, Luis's Babip is at 195. That'll come up, folks. It should come up to at least around 250. 185. It's dropping as we speak. There you go. So uh, <laughs> Alec giving us live updates <laughs> that it's down to 185. That should be higher. And also, too, like balls, uh, batting average on balls in play, uh, that doesn't count the home runs, friends. Uh, though Those balls aren't in play. Those uh, those leave the yard, as we say. So uh, right now it is it is very low, but with how hard he hits the ball, uh, there might be a run here where he goes 16 of 16. Uh, he he's one of those players. We know that, that. we know he can get on fire. You guys, right. you know. So yeah, I don't worry about a cold series here in Chicago, and then we're gonna continue a cold series in Cleveland. But I don't too tough worry about uh, people struggling in April. Same thing with Jose Abreu. All his career has always struggled in the months of April, and then when August comes around, that's Jose Abreu's month. I feel that same thing for Luis Robert. Once the weather warms up, so do they. And again, it's it's what are the results telling you? The biggest thing that I'm worried about is that the Sox, I think, in the past, uh, what maybe uh, two out of the past four games, they've struck out nine times. That is something that concerns me. That's the biggest concern for the White Sox, but the balls are still being hit hard. I mean, you look at the bad luck of Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson smokes a ball much harder than Gavin Sheets does in the ninth inning. He laces a ball 104 off the bat, uh, a 28 uh, launch angle. It goes 380 feet, and then Lowe goes up and just absolutely picks it off the top of the fence. A fantastic running play. It was insane. The Sox should have been, you know, 4-1 after the first inning, but it's it's just bad luck right there. And I mean, I that's, that's baseball. That has an expect, expected batting average of 930. Yeah, 930. So that had a 93% chance of going uh, down for a hit. Sometimes There's the 7% happens. chance. Yeah, right? sometimes that happens. It's a great play. You tip the cap. That's it. And then, like you said, Gavin Cheats in the ninth hits a ball, you know, not as hard yeah. and hits it way in the air. And it finds its way over the fence. In a regular day, that ball's way up there in the 107 area, almost hitting the goose if it was still there. Today, <laughs> it's a wall scraper. Just the weather conditions weren't great. Sometimes you're going to lose a game. And today, the White Sox just didn't have it. Tip the cap to the Rays, even though I don't think they necessarily won the game. It's more the White Sox lost and handed the game to them because yeah. of all the errors they had. But sometimes you're going to have them. Right. And, I mean, too, if you don't have that first inning – then you might not have Anderson Severino come in. Then you might not have, uh, you know, a 9-3 ball game. You take out those first four runs, it's a 5-3 game. And then and it's then like maybe, Kendall Graveman instead or right. Aaron Bummer instead instead of Severino. 
Yeah, and also Alex says, RIP the goose. Uh, the one thing that I love to see from Vinny Duber, our guy, uh, he tweeted out after the Gavin Sheets home run, uh, ghost honk, because he used to tweet out a honk for every time someone hit it near the goose. Uh, but RIP the goose. Uh, we, and we Vinny had it. the best idea I've ever heard of to use that goose, where if somebody hits a home run on the White Sox, beer pours out of that goose's mouth, and people are just waiting for it, <laughs> just waiting for their extra beer. I mean, how great would that be? And Beef showed that, like, we were over at the 108 uh, on... Tuesday, Wednesday, 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 and we were we we're sitting with Cherizi, and they have uh, in the middle of light landing, they have these two sides of like a waterfall going down it, and apparently Beef Loaf of the 108 tweeted out that they turned off the water features, so it, all the cool features of the middle of light landing are it, being shut off. It was on yesterday, okay. at the end of the game, I saw it because be. our guy Sam Panianovich, his brother Adam, who Adam. I think used to play for the White Sox in their organization. He had took his um, Liam Hendricks bobblehead doll and slid it all the way down <laughs> the waterfall. The water uh, was on at that time because I was right there uh, visiting the folks in the 108 at the end of the game. So it was running at that time. Okay, well, So maybe not early when Beef got there, but eventually it was running. So That's it's cool. called the Miller Light Landing, I think, yeah, now. Miller Light Landing. and not that great. There was another thing, too, in the comments that was a very common theme. It was just talking about, you know, this is not a, a start that you can be mad at. Yes, this is a frustrating game. Yes, losing 5-1 to the Mariners is a frustrating game where you have barely any hits and your only run is on a weird pop-up from Jake Berger. And it is frustrating to lose that first game to Detroit 5-4. to four. But overall... Two out of three ain't bad. This is what the White Sox have been doing all year. It's called. They're on pace for 108 wins. Yeah, we, we just can't come on here and like, oh, forget everything. They are six and three. I mean, yes, it's good. Awesome. We do not begrudge them that. We love that they're six and three, but we can't just come on here and it's like, oh, who cares about the loss? They're six and three. We got to talk about what happens because some of these themes are longstanding things with the White Sox, and we just want them to be nipped in the bud before it gets too serious and then when we lose a series and like oh now we can talk about it like no you talk about what's bad and what's good at the time that it happens and then we go on to the guardian series if they go three for four there we're going to pretty much be positive yeah socks first homestand six games they go four and two win the first one three two win the second one six four lose the third one one five win on friday against the race three two win on saturday three two and then lose today nine three looking and the back bats have even gone that's the thing right like, the only like only you, day that they were here was that sunday where they would go 10-1 against the tigers i'm not worried about the white Sox. i'm just talking about what happened today when they get their full lineup together and their full pitching staff this is a world series contending team i believe right but What's this the, t- team going to look like in May once but the bat, Yeah, once, once we get the bats going and people start hitting like the back of the baseball cards, this team's going to be winning these games, even if you give up four runs the first inning. And I'm not really too worried about the bats in general. Like, I mean, looking back on this series, uh, the, the four wins, the two losses, you could have swept both of them. Like, yes, the production isn't there. I know fans are upset that this team should be scoring more runs, and they should be. But I do like the batted ball data. I mean, it really does look like the White Sox are seeing the ball and hitting the ball well. Jose Abreu has not hit the ball this hard in the month of April, ever. Like, I mean, this is this is an aberration when it look you look at his numbers and how hard he's hitting in April. This might be the best that Jose Abreu will be. He is warming up, and we know how warm he can get in those warmer months. So far, he is hitting the hell out of the ball. Tim Anderson is hitting the hell out of the ball. He should have had an extra base hit today. He did not. I, I think that there are still some pieces that need to start clicking, but there are a lot of signs to show that the Sox are still there. And you look at the starting pitching, <laughs> that has been fantastic for the Sox so far. And I understand Velasquez didn't give you a great outing, but if Vince Velasquez is going to give you four earned runs over nearly five innings pitched, the White Sox should and will be satisfied with that. You just need to score more than three runs. That's the issue here is the offense, at least today. Yeah, and like uh, I said, Fred and Fred uh, echoed it. When you have as many hits as you have errors, it's going to be a tough day. It's going to be a very frustrating day, and that's what was today was. I'm looking forward to the Cleveland series. I'm looking forward to seeing those guys again, and the White Sox have a, a game plan where they can pitch the first three guys. So I think it's Miles Straw, Stephen Kwan, Stephen Kwan, and then stop pitching to the third guy. Don't yeah. pitch to if I ladies and gentlemen, we have four post games here versus the Cleveland Guardians. If the White Sox ever 
pitch to Jose Ramirez when they don't have to, I'm going to be on a thousand. He leads the league right now in RBIs. There's no reason for him to. Behind him is Fran Mil Reyes. Power hitter, but not that good. And by, behind that is just a bunch of Jimenez's and uh, Clement and Bradley and Mercado and Hedges. Pitch to any of those dudes. I don't give a damn if his base is loaded. Walk him. Do not let Jose GD Ramirez, that's his real name, middle name, <laughs> GD, goddamn, Ramirez beat the White Sox. Do not. There should be zero runs. I mean, yeah, zero RBIs from Jose Ramirez in this series. Zero. Because they've walked him every time. Like, over 16, or just zero for zero, 16 walks. <laughs> give him that 1,000 on base percentage and give him that zero, zero uh, average. Yeah. Because if you give him a chance to hurt the White Sox, he will. Last year, he ate against the White Sox. Uh, he was 242, 342, 530 for an OPS of 872. Stop pitching to him. Oh, guess what, Herb? It gets worse. He had 16 hits. Guess how many were extra bases? 10. Nine. Close enough. Five yeah. home runs, four doubles. Yeah. Don't pitch to that man. He had 15 RBIs against you last year. That was tied for the most against any team last if year. If Framil Reyes hits a home run against you, tip the cap with, when you just put on Jose Ramirez. I cannot have it. I cannot have it. If it's folks. if it's zero zero, you know, if it's if it's two outs and it's you know no one else is on, then pitch to him, go after him. Maybe you give up a solo homer to him. You better That's be fine, in the lead. But you better be in the big lead, like a eight to nothing lead. Yeah. Yes, then you can pitch to him. I, but if it's close, <laughs> no, no Jesus. So you're going to be taking a lot of Jose Ramirez betting props this weekend. Because yeah, because I know that they're you know got pride and they don't want to act like they're pitching around Jose Ramirez, and he will make them pay again. Stop. You know, it's not the definition of insanity, but doing things that you already know are going to get you in trouble. It's just idiotic. Mm -hmm. If let Fran Mill Reyes have the series of his life, please, Jesus. If that happens, I'm like, hey, I'm not fine with it, but it's better than Jose Ramirez doing Jose Ramirez things. And we know that he's the only one on the team that can really damage the White Sox because it's going to be hard enough already. We got Bieber going to the bump on Monday. Yep. If that game gets played... That's going to be a tough game. Tristan McKenzie, also a tough customer, too. Do they have Aaron Savale going or Plesak? Like, they have starting pitchers, and we know that ninth inning beast, uh, Emmanuel Classe, is throwing 102 clutters. So, yes, this is a series where we should take three out of four. They're not that good. But you uh, can make them good by pitching to Jose Ramirez, by having poor at-bats to Shane Bieber, by not allowing by allowing them have the lead in the ninth inning and they get to that beast of Emmanuel Classe. Savale pitched today. It's gonna go Bieber versus Keichel. Don't like that. McKenzie versus Lambert. Don't like that. Please act versus Cease. Baby. That's one way. And Kopech versus Quantrill. Let's go. We got we got we split series right there. I'm, yeah. I'm feeling it. And honestly, I feel like the one, you know, just knowing the White Sox baseball, they'll, they'll lose the ones with Cease and Kopech on the mound. They better have won the other two. Keichel and Lambert. Looking back at the series against the Rays and Mariners, the biggest thing that worries me is the fact that Shane Bieber is on the mound for the Cleveland team. Uh, I was going to say the, the the old nickname, the yeah. Guardians. Uh, he, the, the fact that he's on the mound for the Guardians. This is a team right now, the Sox, that it feels like their plate disciplines leaving them a little bit. This is a guy that can spot his pitches anywhere he wants to put him. He doesn't have the velocity that he did last time you saw him. He did uh, have an injury, and he hasn't been able to fully bounce back from that. There's also some sticky stuff that I think he's missing. Uh, but overall, he is still going to be able to hit his spots. It might not be 97, but it will be around 94, 95. He's still hitting the spots, and we know that slider is going to be nasty. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see and talk about tomorrow if you know what his K prop is at, and if the White Sox can really battle him, because this can't be a game where you have ten strikeouts against uh, uh, Shane Bieber. I want to see exactly the same approach that you just took against Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray is a Cy Young winner that took it to you last year, thirteen and a third, had twenty seven Ks, and you just tagged him for six earned runs. This is Shane Bieber. This is a guy that you have seen time in and time out. His stuff isn't as good as it was last year. You need to jump on him. Robbie Ray's stuff wasn't as good as him last year. This is the time you jump on him. Here in April, you're hitting the ball hard. Continue to hit the ball hard. You need to knock around Bieber and not let him feel comfortable up there because this is a guy that can take it to you and has taken to you, taken it to you time in and time out. 
out again. So this is another guy that I'm afraid of. And if the White Sox start off this series on a poor foot, I don't know if it's going to be as easy as a 2-2, you know, we, we lose against Bieber and we lose against McKenzie because Plezak has swing and miss stuff. Quantrill can be dangerous as well. I don't like if the White Sox start off on a bad foot. If they go out and they are aggressive and nail Bieber, I think that's going to be something that is going to be a very big storyline for the White Sox if they get off to the right start against Bieber on Monday. I'm looking at Steven Nicholas has the uh, the game logs of Shane Bieber up right there. The the one right there lower than the April one there is August 30th. He pitched, what? Six, Six innings, innings, seven, seven hits, hits, three earned. Give me that. It's not a lot to ask for. And Give me that. Can you scroll up, Steven, just uh, real quick? Because that's a game that I oh, – 11 strikeouts. So that's that's the part that I don't like because he's, he's highlighting here April 13th uh, of 2021, 11 Ks over nine innings, and then April 30th, six innings, 11 Ks. So that's that's the thing. You can't have 22 Ks over that amount of games. And I, I'll look up his entire stats against the White Sox last year. But, uh, I mean, he is he's, – he's, he's fantastic – against the Sox, and this is something that the Sox have seen him so many times. You have to learn from what you have seen from from Shane Bieber, and you have to make him adjust now. Now is the time where you've seen the book on Shane Bieber. Take that book and throw it at him. Well said, sir. Thank you. Uh, I'm looking to try to find his his career splits last year against the Sox because he did end up having that injury, and his, his stuff did fall off just a little bit after uh, the sticky stuff ban in July. Last year against the White Sox, he pitched four games, 25 innings, 32 Ks, five earned runs for an ERA of 180. That's decent. That's decent. That plays. That plays. (laughs) Five earned runs over 25 innings, uh, four walks, 32 strikeouts. Jesus Christ. Different approach. You faced him last year, and he did this to you as – Sean said, same thing happened with Robbie Ray. Maybe he doesn't have it tomorrow like Robbie Ray didn't have it on Wednesday. Take advantage. Understand what you did last year will not will not happen. 25 innings pitching, he struck out 32 of you, and he had a sub-2 ERA when he's facing you. That won't go. If you're the offensive juggernaut that we pretend you to be mm-hmm. and you think you are, I don't care if Yohan's out the lineup and I don't care if A.J. Pollock's out the lineup. You have enough to dominate Shane Bieber. Let's try and do it. Let's try and do what we need to do. I know he's a tough pitcher, but we're supposed to be a tough hitting team. So if we're going to tough hitting team, we need to establish that you put your ace out there, you're still getting hit hard. And the results might not be there for the White Sox, but they're hitting the ball goddamn hard. Yeah. And I want them to continue for Shane Bieber. And the one thing that I worry about is the fact that Andrew Vaughn didn't play a ton against Shane Bieber last year. He did start two games against him. Uh, Bieber started start. four. Uh, he does not have a lot of success against Shane Bieber. Seven at-bats, four Ks, no hits. So that's the one thing that I, I do worry about. Start. Strikeout swinging, reach down an air, strikeout swinging, strikeout swinging, ground ball double play, strikeout swinging, ground ball third, third base to first base. So he has not let a ball go out into the outfield yet against Shane Bieber. So that's the one worry uh, for the Sox here. Is Don't that, worry. Uh, Tony will know, sit him on the bench tomorrow. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe we'll see if he sits him against the bench. Uh, I sits him on the bench and we'll see if uh, we see Gavin Sheets, who is red hot. And also I said earlier uh, that his home run today was his first hit. It was not. He has three hits on the, on the year, my friend. So you said first home run, I think. I think I said first hit and it was a big one. So I think that would be, you know, a lie. His third hit and his first big one of the year, a, a big fly. So. Sox versus the Guardians, a four-game set. We will have the pregame for you uh, 30 minutes before first pitch, and we have the postgame for you last after the last out uh, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. It will be me, Vinny, and Herb in the studio. It should be a good time. Uh, I think that's it. Any other uh, little notes that you got to get to? You got, no. you got your whole thing in about uh, Andrew Vaughn wanting to be a pitch hitter? Uh, for Gavin Sheets in the yeah, six, I did. I got all my uh, stuff I was pissed about in the game off today. The White Sox are six and three, even after a, hey. a poor performance today. They're one of the best teams in the American League. They'll be fine, but also today was an unacceptable effort. I believe they need to do better. The game wasn't over after the four nothing, and we had a couple opportunities to get yeah. that game closer with a couple bases loaded with one out opportunities. Yeah, I mean that was the one thing. Like the the sheets at bat, he uh, Mazza ended up throwing eight straight uh, balls. 
he ends up getting that first pitch strike, but then ends up hitting Sheets anyways. So, yeah. I mean, then and then Sheets drives in a run, uh, you know, unwillingly or uh, un- not even trying to, uh, just getting plunked by a pitch. Sox start a seven-game road series four against Cleveland, and four, uh, three against Minnesota. We will have a lot of Minnesota! coverage. Minnesota! Minnesota! Uh, I don't know that's in this room. A lot of coverage on the uh, the Cleveland series, and that will start on Monday. We appreciate everyone jumping in the chat. Alex, Steve, Fred, Riley, Rex, uh, Fred again, uh, later friends. Uh, happy New Year's. Also want to give a shout-out to uh, Naked HDXYZ uh, online strips. Thank you for clothing. watching. Thank you for watching and uh, participating in the chat. For Herb Lawrence, you can follow him on Twitter, at Eckernwall23. For Vinny Duber, who joined us at the ballpark, at Vinny Duber, you can follow him on Twitter. You can follow us, CHGO White Sox, at CHGO underscore White Sox. We also want to thank our producer, Stephen Nicholas, for his great work. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter, at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. That is going to do it for the CHGO White Sox post-game show. We will be back tomorrow as the Cleveland Guardians welcome the Chicago White Sox for a four-game series in Cleveland. We will see you tomorrow, and go Sox!